Hey everybody, welcome to the Glamorous Matadors of Barcelona podcast. Now I want to say before we get going, I do not condone bullfighting. I'm very much against animal abuse, but I just thought that was funny. We're also running out of things to call this podcast. And so uh, I kind of had to come up with it. Today, very special guest. Some of you already know her because she's been on one of our podcasts before. One of our GMB trainers, and I'm just going to talk her up. There's so much today. Jen, how you doing? Jen Pilati, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Ryan, for having me here. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I got to talk a little bit about her. Um, credentials aside, she's got a lot. Um, she, I respect this woman so much. Um, she's typically quite quiet. And you wouldn't know because she's so humble about the stuff that she does. But Jen, you know, master's of science, your background uh, in science, of course. Um, you know, you actually found the cure for cancer, which is amazing. I'm just going to just put you on the spot there. That's something, you know, um, that is a joke, but I wouldn't doubt it. This is a person who could do this. So many different disciplines that you've done. I know what... Uh, I have some of them listed here, yoga, strength, conditioning, everything from dance to gymnastics. You're a GMB trainer. You've been a GMB trainer for quite a while now. We could do a podcast actually on your lifestyle because you pack so much in a day. It's just, it blows my mind, honestly, really. Let's save that for another uh, topic. Uh, hope you all can see how excited I am to talk with Jen today. So again, thank you so much for being here. Today, we're actually going to be talking about moving better. Okay, really, that's what we're getting at is moving better, but a little bit different than we typically uh, discuss in terms of we're going to look at the mind-body connection and what better person to discuss this with than you, your new book that's out, uh, amazing book. I've already read it, loved it. Uh, body mind movement evidence-based approach to mindful movement evidence based big thing here this isn't just someone who you know grew up doing gymnastics and martial art and then you know learned a little bit about fitness and then started a company called gmb and saying you know this is this is how you should move um talking about myself, by the way. Uh, Jen, I mean, with your background and everything that you do, looking at the evidence and in your book, giving these examples, very clear, concrete, science-backed, evidence-based, um, not just concepts, but examples, again, um, showing your clients and how you've worked with people over the years. And it's a fabulous book. It's deep. Um, for those of you who are interested in this topic, then you're going to dive deep, okay? So just get ready. But that's what I love about it. And the thing about today is that we're actually not going to go so deep, so so deep, so deep that it's going to be over everyone's head. What we're going to really do is take a look at what's going on, um, you know, and just talk a little bit about body awareness. We're going to be, you know, looking at the mind, which is cool, and that connection. Really, that's what it's all about today. And so. Let's go ahead and just jump right in, um, if that's cool. And I think the first thing that would be fun to talk about is we're looking at a body awareness. In order to be able to talk about these topics, that we do need to address some of these things, and especially in terms of how you view these things. Because um, 
you break it down in such a way that's very clear for people and give great examples. So right just from the start, if we can talk a little bit and you can explain a little bit about um, that for everyone so that we can get started and go a little bit deeper talking about posture, talking about breathing and just basically my favorite thing, freedom of movement and physical autonomy. So uh, jump in there. Tell us a little bit about really one of the first chapters of your book, basically. Yes. Proprioception is your unconscious awareness of where your body is in space. So if I'm walking and there's a tree branch over to the side and I have to maneuver around the tree branch, my ability to do that happens unconsciously. I can suddenly maneuver around the tree branch, know exactly how much room I need to get around the tree branch and move my limbs in a way to get around the tree branch that I don't trip. It's amazing. And we do things like this every single day, which is so cool. The beauty of proprioception is it's considered by a lot of scientists to be your sixth sense. So like your visual acuity, like your auditory sense, and like your sense of smell, you can further develop it. If it's something that you've lost a little bit over time, which we lose things over time if we don't use them, you can make it better. Like you said, it's everything that we do. It's a natural thing. It's a learned thing. Um, some people actually have trouble with this due to certain issues, uh, equilibrium and, and things like that. But you know, when we're talking about this spatial awareness as we're going up, it's pretty amazing how that can actually become dull over time, like anything when not used. You give examples, of course, of how we can look and further improve that. Also in GMB, of course, we are looking at that. Uh, you did mention, for example, if you're walking and let's say you happen to be out in nature. I think nature, uh, especially for me, uh, you're, I know yourself, uh, you know, out running and, and doing the things that you do. Of course, we need this. This isn't something that it's just, oh, you know, I don't think I'm going to work on it because you're always working on it. But I think there's certain ways that we can actually improve that deeper and i mentioned nature being out in nature not knowing what's going on uh you know relation to what's around you and being able to maneuver in space so just from the get-go uh you gave some great examples but if we're looking at um that in terms of let's say right now we can't get out it's the whole covid thing so just right from the get-go what are some things and and ways that you can actually improve and work on improving that uh, even while you're indoors. Well, one of the coolest things about a lot of the GMB programs is they're so spatially, you have to be so spatially aware in order to do the movements that you're going to improve your proprioception. Something that seems relatively simple, like a backward roll, that actually requires a ton of moving parts. And not only that, your head changes location. Anytime you change your head location, you're gonna affect not just your proprioception, but your vestibular system and your vision. Mm. So you're gonna affect your entire balance system, which again is so critical for being able to move well as we age. So again, just anything, anything where you're changing direction, anything where you're on the floor and you're rolling around, that's going to improve your proprioception. The more of yourself you can feel, the more of yourself you're going to use. And the floor provides such great feedback for that any sort of ground-based movement is great. Fabulous. Now I have a question. What about a person who actually has trouble uh, due to maybe an ear issue or basically we're looking at uh, equilibrium, right? So what if um, I'm not used to doing these particular movements. I start out doing these movements and I find that I become dizzy um, or 
basically confused uh, due to the fact that I am trying to move myself through you know, space in ways that I'm not used to. We see this a lot in vitamin, of course. So what would be some of your advice for a person who's starting out and looking at trying to work on improving their spatial awareness, um, but are having trouble again with that equilibrium and possibly getting dizzy? I think one of the most important things that people forget when they're beginning any sort of exercise program is it's critical to meet yourself where you are. You need to meet yourself at a place that feels safe, that allows you to go, okay, I was able to do that successfully because success is what's going to create consistency and consistency is what's going to elicit change. So if you're feeling dizzy because you've taken a, a, a progression that's too advanced for you, then you back it way off. You go, okay, I tried step three, it didn't work, but I can do step one well, so stay with step one. Very cool, very cool. Now, yeah, I just absolutely love that. I think that we also find that people, uh, and you find this you know, as well, that because we can't do X, therefore we stop doing it, instead of doing exactly what you said and simply taking a step back, uh, finding a safe place for us to be able to do that, a fear, obviously a huge part of it, everything in our life that determines whether or not uh, we even want to start something, uh, the way that we view the entire world, right? Uh, of course, you know, right now we're mainly talking about in terms of movement and things like that, but everything that we're talking about today and what I also love about your book is the fact that, you know, moving beyond just uh, the exercise, if you will, portion of it and trying to make sure that you have an understanding of the application of that in your life, uh, simply being aware. So I, I do want to come back to that, but I want to jump into this topic too, is that uh, bring it back again to that, the mind-body connection. And so a little introduction there about, um, you know, spatial awareness, one of my favorite things to talk about, uh, very applicable in terms also, uh, if you're looking at martial art, because I'm so involved with martial art, uh, you first need to have that spatial awareness individually before you can pair up with a person and do it. Now, the mind-body connection can sometimes get, uh, we talked about this a little earlier, kind of a woo-woo feeling to it, which I think is fine, uh, you know, esoteric. And I think that a lot of people have a misconception between like, expectations versus, versus reality. And to touch and go a little bit deeper into this, but uh, mindfulness uh, and a lot of people thinking that there is, you know, a special pat a patent, patent system i can't talk today you know and i and the other thing too that i love is like um and i shouldn't even bring it up we'll talk about this on a different time but anyway expectations versus reality and thinking that there you know you see like this this new system to come out to you know give you clarity and bring that mind body connection when really it can simply be about looking at the mundane and something that i know that you talk about and what i really love is the fact that uh, what is it? I kind of paraphrase this, hope it's okay, but simplicity in a state of quiet contemplation is, I really love that. So I would like for you to explain that to us. Um, what do you mean by that in relation to movement and moving beyond just that exercise like we talked about and how it can start incorporating that into our lives? So if you take, again, if we go back to the like back roll example, and that was something I really struggled with. So it was something that I learned as an adult. So I have a lot of 
fond memories of, of you helping me and of other people helping me to get it. Um, but just the act of rocking back from your hip to your opposite mm. shoulder, if you slow down and you notice and you take the time to notice, oh, there's a lot of noise when I hit the mat. And instead of judging it, which is what we often do. It's, it's human nature. We judge everything about ourselves. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't do that because I'm too stiff. Oh, I'm never going to be able to get that because I'm too old. We judge all of these things. Instead of judging it, if you stop and you say, what if I slow down even more? And what if I don't roll all the way back? What happens then? And what if I try it a little bit differently? Does that change things? And what can I notice as I'm doing this? And that is what I mean by it. And it doesn't have to be an, a really impressive movement to be able to do this. And we can do this in these really simple things and we can learn so much about ourselves and our patterns and it can give us options and opportunities for doing something slightly differently, which I think is really valuable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, my stance on the whole thing, um, <laughs> you know, in another light, I really find it just fascinating that fascinating in a strange way, to be honest, that there's so many mm, new ways, apps out there to help us in order to do something that, to be honest, if we were simply to step back away from everything, slow down, like what you said, bring more awareness into part of me for saying maybe what's perceived as a mundane movement can actually help us to be better at anything and progress faster, if you will. Uh, meditation, very similar. Uh, of course, a lot of, you know, app to do this, you have an app to do this or something like that. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad, but washing dishes with awareness and being quiet is a form of meditation. And so just like what you're saying, uh, slow things down, really become more aware in what's going on. Um, so in order to actually look at that, then how, what's going on? So I, I want to go a little deeper with that. So what is actually happening really with that mind body connection? If you will, we're doing the backward roll. You spoke of fear. Uh, you spoke also hinting at trying to let go of the ego uh, in order to <laughs> move back and simplify things. Can you go a little bit deeper into what's actually happening with that mind body uh, connection while we're doing this? Yes. So one of the things I think that really frequently happens and we don't realize it is it's very difficult to actually stay in the moment with anything. It's very easy to let our attention wander to something else. Mm. And one of the things that any sort of mindfulness technique teaches is the ability to focus the attention on whatever it is. So if I'm trying to learn a new skill, I need to be able to focus my attention on what I'm doing right now. And when I place my awareness to that skill, I'm gonna suddenly increase my awareness of my body and where it is in space, my response emotionally and internally to what I'm experiencing. Mm. And that's gonna give me an opportunity, again, to, to figure out where to go from there and to learn. Really, a lot of um, what mindfulness teaches is how can we how can we learn? How can we learn about ourselves? How can we learn about what we're doing? How can we learn to be better in our place in the world? Whatever it is. So cool. Um, 
which kind of leads into the next point, which would be, and you said, bringing the focus back, um, not losing the focus. And a lot of, you know, people say to lose the focus, but um, I personally kind of look at it a little bit differently. You can t take it for what it is. I think that instead of like, you don't lose the focus, you simply apply it in a new way um, and, you know, coming back to it. But a lot of that is the breath. And this is also something that you speak a lot, you write a lot about. And came across this word. I was not familiar with it. I got to be honest. And I'm probably going to say it incorrectly. I say a lot of words incorrectly. It's me being in Japan forever. Interoception, is that how you say that? Yes. And this is probably something I come across before, but just glossed over it really. And going and reading your book, I believe this, this is the second chapter, I believe. But yeah, where you look at breathing and um, interoception. I would like for you to discuss really, first, first off, what does that mean? Okay. And then we can go back and maybe you can explain how what you just talked about before actually relates to everything that we're doing. So, yeah. Inter interoception is your internal sense of self. So it's your ability to feel, oh, my heart rate's beating a little bit higher. It's your ability to detect, oh, I'm hungry. I'm not angry. <laughs> 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 or maybe you are both, but <laughs> Always. you recognize Always. that the hunger is, yeah, exactly, <laughs> is affecting you in some way. It's your ability to say, oh, something feels a little off, mm. but I don't know why. Mm. That's your interoception. And the cool thing about breath, and I'll only geek out on it for a moment, is it's an activity that is controlled automatically by the brain. You're going to breathe whether you tell yourself to or not. Because of the way the diaphragm is innervated, which just means the way the diaphragm is controlled, mm -hmm. you also have voluntary control over the mm -hmm. breath. So if you notice your breath is behaving a certain way, you can change it. If you notice your heartbeat's behaving a certain way, you can't really change that. Mm -hmm. And if you notice your digestive system's a little off, you can't really change that mm -hmm. voluntarily, but you can change your breath. And so that's super empowering. So I love this because um, one of my mantras, if you will, mantra, depending on where you are in the world. Um, you know, focus on what you can control and let go of what you can't. And what can you control is your breathing. Uh, you might not be aware of your breathing due to certain circumstances. Uh, if you're under stress, uh, duress, um, if there's a very large individual on top of you pressing down on your diaphragm uh, <laughs> while you're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, you, you know, you do have that opportunity to control uh, you're breathing, even though you are being crushed per se. So this is something that over the years, and you probably heard me talk a lot about that, but this is the one thing that I've really focused on over the years, breathing. I have so many, so much trouble with my nose because I've broke, broken my nose so many different times and things. So the breath part of this and, and reading about how it relates to, uh, of course, movement and the way that you describe it, I absolutely love it. So you, know, you mentioned you know, how a person interprets uh, the information that they're giving, but you can only interpret uh, what you're aware of. And in further understanding your internal state is then further, or is going to allow you to further uh, your movement, uh, whatever else is going on in life and determine how you do it. Now, jumping in here, we can of course look at emotional state and things like that, but I want to actually move towards pain, if that's okay. And so this is a question that was brought up by one of our AP members. and. Um, really determining the difference between actual body 
injury restriction versus your mind saying, okay, there's an injury. And the example that they gave was a fully healed injury where your brain still says, oh my goodness, I went through this after my ankle break um, where I was still very fearful and because I thought I was in pain for something when actually I wasn't. So this fascinates me. I want to learn more. So what's going on here? And of course, with the breath and, and having better awareness in the body, what, what's up with this? What, what's going on um, when this is happening? Well, there's a, a few things. Anytime there's physical surgery, surgery is trauma. We don't think of it like that because, oh, we're making ourselves better, but you're actually cutting into yeah. the body. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's a physical trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> that's going to affect nerve input, which is going to affect proprioception, mm -hmm. which is going to affect your internal map, your internal sense of your body and where it's located in space. So you've got that, you've got that whole aspect. And that is going to be how you interpret the nerve, the, the impulses that you're getting, that's your interoception. It's, you know, oh, I feel, and I've heard all kinds of descriptions of stuff. Oh, I feel this vague sensation down my left side. Oh, mm. I feel like tingliness where they cut mm. into me. Oh, I feel, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. all of that. And that gets, if it's post-surgery and it's been long enough post-surgery, you mm. just start loading the area gently. Mm. You, know, you also take the person's attention away from it to other places to say, oh, look, the pain suddenly went away. We're working on something totally different. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and part of it is learning not to fixate, which is hard, right? Like, and that's the way it is with any sort of chronic issue. And how do you know if it's serious or not? I will say if you've ever had anything serious, and I know you can attest this because you've had serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, when something's, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you have something that's seriously wrong, you know, you're like, okay, this is, this is not good. But then there are those little, again, just phantom, vague. Right. Sometimes they're more than vague. Sometimes they're weird, nervy things. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what is this? What is going on? And what I'll say about that is if you redirect your attention, like what you were saying, you know, you, you put the focus somewhere else and or you try something a little different mm. and you try something a little different in a really subtle way. Mm -hmm. If that changes your experience in that limb, then you know you have options available. The, um, I've worked with two people who I could get them to feel a whole lot better by the end of the session, but then it wouldn't hold. So they would come back and everything would be just back to where it was. And I told both of them, like, you guys need to go to the doctor. One needed a hip replacement and one had some sort of weird, like benign growth. Again, if you can make changes and they start to be a little bit longer lasting and they start to last longer and longer, you know, you're on the right path. You know that you've got, you know, you don't have bone on bone. You don't have some crazy cyst growing in your shoulder. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> There's just so many good things out of here. I, I want to bring up something very quickly too. That's, that's extremely important is the fact that you, are not trying to fix someone in terms of, um, you know, having someone come to you and saying, oh, I can take care of that. You, you're the first person to say, hey, listen, this is outside of my wheelhouse. You need to go see a doctor. And so this is one thing for those of you listening, I want you to all understand that um, we're not talking about trying to, you know, 
fix your stuff, you know, just on your own. When you have issues, if there are injuries, things like that, please see a doctor. With that being said, if we are looking though, um, use myself as an example, uh, completely cleared to be able to um, do exercises and basically do anything that I want now, thankfully. It's also why I had my second surgery a year after my first initial surgery. They took out all of the plates, all of the screws in my ankle uh, simply because they know that uh, I'm stupid and I still want to do the stuff I want to do. And they said, if there ever was a, if there ever were a chance of me having another ankle break, it would actually be better not to have the hardware in because it could have been more damaged. Anyway, besides the point there, the point that I want to get to is the awareness, bringing awareness to that point, being aware of it, but then also, as you mentioned earlier, when to know when to let go and refocus that to a different point in the body, as well as something else you said, which I thought was fabulous, is not to get too attached, if you will, to that, which I thought was fabulous because that is also a fear. Um, just continuously thinking about that thing and, and not allowing yourself to move on, um, I think can also hamper the healing process as well. Um, this is something that I went through with the ankle break. And that was, I remember being scared to ride my bicycle in case my foot slipped, and this is, this is so funny, I've never told anybody this, but I was scared of riding my bicycle because I thought my foot was going to slip off the front of the pedal and my toes were going to catch, and it's silly. It's never happened to me ever, okay? But these are the things that I know that people think of uh, when certain things happen. One other thing really related to that the fear of thinking you're going to be getting injured when you've never been injured and keeping that, um, basically that mind body connection and, and, in, and keeping that from you exploring and moving forward. How can we, how can we deal with that? Well, so that's, that anxiety type thinking, right? Which if you're fear, if you're afraid of something that hasn't happened, then you're not focusing on what's happening right now. So instead of thinking, oh, I'm, you know, if I learn how to do X, I'm going to be injured because Y. You can say, instead of learning how to do X, maybe I learn how to do again, four steps back from X mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just see how that goes. Fabulous. You know, anytime you learn, especially like some of the more gymnastics skills, when you learn them as an adult, you have a much higher, your, your fear of falling is real because right. you're well, higher from the ground. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not that high from the ground and I was still fearful of certain <laughs> things. <laughs> but you learn how to deal with the ground and suddenly that thing becomes a whole lot less scary. So it's almost like you're saying that you should start with the basic movements and get really good at those before you progress. Oh, it kind of is. It kind of is that way. Never heard that before, but I'm just thinking, wow, that's cool. We talked a little bit about spatial awareness and and really having a deeper understanding of what's going on and then bringing it and internalizing that. And so uh, we have those two, and I think that's a really good example of how things can really come to the mix. And you can look at that mind-body connection. We talk about keeping it very simple, um, looking at focusing on the basics, and then uh, gradual work on progressions. And so. Um, even though it's not easy, I think it is a bit easier to see how that can be applied to exercise, how especially how it can be applied uh, to GMB where 
I'm saying, hey, everybody, let's start here. Let's make sure we have this down and then we move on to the next level, blah, blah, blah. How do we bring that connection into real life instead of doing our exercise, fully understanding it, and then going out into the world and then all of a sudden finally realizing that we're not being aware? How can we bring that into our daily lives, whether it be driving, walking down the street, or whatever? Well, I feel like if you have a mindful movement practice, I feel like it naturally seeps into your life. I mean, I was able to write the book, the first draft of the book. I think it was in six weeks. God, you um, just but- crazy. <laughs> I, 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 someday I really want to do a podcast on, on your life. Anyway, yeah. But the reason I was able to do it is, <laughs> is because when I sat down to write, I sat down to write. Yes. I didn't sit down to focus on anything else. And yes. when I sit down, when I, when I go to do my movement practice, I go to do my movement practice. Yes. I'm not, you know, I know it's really hard if you're at home, you have distractions. Mm. My yeah. husband had to take our little dog into the other room, so he didn't want his ball thrown. Um, you know, there, life happens. I totally get that. But when you're doing something, if you really try to, to do it and to be present with it, yes. then that in and of itself will start to make a difference. And that, I, in my experience, it also creates a deeper awareness. You notice when you're not doing that. And you notice yes. when you're checking out, when your, your spouse is talking to you and you suddenly, your brain goes elsewhere and you're not focused on them. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know like we all yeah. do. Yeah. But if you can catch it, if you're aware of it, we can make the necessary changes to, to again, just be, be better. And that key point right there, just be a little better. Um, something that I got to be honest, it does, I wouldn't say bother me. I'm not, I'm not too bothered about stuff anymore, but things over the years where people try to hack things, they try to... Um, get the best well let's be honest when you're on the internet you're looking for the best supplement for the best protocol for um instead of simply saying all right we we know what we need to do and so what if we were just to be just a little bit better and that's what i love about you as well and you know when you're talking about people you're just trying to say all right let's focus on this one thing today and bring better awareness so that it um how did you describe it how it seeps is that what you said into into life which i absolutely love um and what i really like about that is not that it's just shifting into life no it it naturally happens that way and therefore you also realize when that's not happening there's another one in terms of communication sorry i'm all excited i want you to talk more but is communication and um, being there with that person and communicating with that person instead of being on your phone um, or something like that, which let's be honest, we see a lot of right now. Fabulous. So, you know, looking at that real life, God, we could just keep talking about so much different stuff. One other thing, move into this other topic here uh, is attention, which is a great lead in what we were just talking about. So looking at everything working together and basically helping us to bring in that attention where we're getting into the mindful movement. So this is where everything is coming down to. And so basically if you can, I don't want to say end here, but, but give us some examples of how we can start to bring everything together and how we can start to look and say, all right, 
talked a little bit about how we need to focus on that spatial awareness, talked about the breathing component of it, talked about simplifying things in order to bring that awareness in there. So what would be some practical examples that we could do today and uh, start applying this to our life? What would basically be, I don't want to say a checklist, but, but, but what are some key points when a person is doing a particular movement, what should we be looking at and focusing on? Besides slowing down and things, which you've already actually said. <laughs> um, noticing the breath is huge. So if you notice if you're holding your breath, you notice if your breath quickens, you notice if you shift from nose breathing to mouth breathing. These are all signs that maybe you're doing, you're either doing something that's challenging, maybe you're, you know, doing BJJ with someone that is, and you need all of that. Mm -hmm. But if you're practicing by yourself, maybe you don't. So that can be a way for you to self-regulate and create some of that autonomy and say, okay, how can I regulate my breath? What do I need to do to regulate mm. my breath to make this movement feel safer, to make me feel more at ease, to make this so that I can do this movement in a more pretty way. So that would be step one. Um, breathing, step perfect. Breathing. Now, quickly, yes. <laughs> I want to interrupt you. I want to interrupt you. Is it bad if we sometimes mouth breathe? No. Okay. But generally speaking, and like you said, some people have nose stuff, so they really have a tough time. But generally speaking, nose breathing is going to keep your nervous system at a little bit lower level. So, you know. Cool. Yeah. So breathing would be step one. Breathing step, step one, yes. Step two would, again, just be meet yourself where you're at. So if you're doing something and you notice you're tensing elsewhere. So I'm doing this thing that doesn't involve my right pinky finger at all, but my right pinky finger is totally pulling an Austin Powers and doing that little mini, you know, that like, <laughs> I actually don't remember his name, Dr. Evil, I guess. Dr. Evil, yes, yes. Oh man, my kids love that. I love it too, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're doing a Dr. Evil, every time you do a single balance scale, that's probably, you know, that's, you can ask yourself why. Why am I doing that? Do I need that to make the movement efficient? Fabulous. Do you need it? Um, and by the way, if, if you don't know if you're doing it or not, break out your smartphone and take a video. <laughs> Everyone can do that right now. So yes, breathing, yes. you know, bringing that awareness to uh, take note of what's going on. Perfect. Keep going. Yes. Loving it. Yes. <laughs> um, those are probably the biggest things actually. And then just observe. I think the more you observe of yourself, people sometimes ask me, they're like, how do you know these crazy cues? And it's because I've observed myself and I've thought to myself, what happens if I put a little more weight in this really yeah. tiny, small region? Yeah. You know, how does that change things? What yeah. if I reach from this part of my body? Yeah. <laughs> so if you observe and then you take what you've observed and you apply it, then you have a pretty well-rounded mindful movement practice actually. Fabulous. I love it. I'm yeah, that was the, that was my topic. I did that, um, embodied submit, uh, yes, thing. Cool. that was actually the topic of my talk was, uh, how to bring that awareness into, and, uh, that was something I talked about. Yeah. It was just that. So much stuff in here. I don't want to keep this. I, I want to keep it going, but the thing is, I think that's we, some other topics we talk about later, um, coming back again to what you mentioned already before is looking at a safe environment in order to be able to practice particular skills um, and doing it in a way that is uh, healthy 
for you in terms of both mentally and physically. Making sure, again, that you're doing it in a way that's trying to move away from ego, which I love uh, when you say that, and also looking at um, those two points. How are you breathing and what's going on when you're doing that particular movement by bringing better attention to your body? Fabulous stuff. I absolutely love it. I'm sure we're going to have tons of questions uh, about this and, and and we will be doing a follow-up for this, but thanks for letting me ramble. I, I'm just completely like, you know, me, total, total fanboy. I want to throw this out at you, okay? And don't even think about what we talked today, but just, I just would love to hear your answer to this, your thoughts on that. What do you think is the most important thing in the world to you? Kindness. All right. Thanks for listening. We're on the. <laughs> Kindness. Yes. Kindness. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. I love it. Now, again, thank you everybody for listening to this. Um, do you have any questions, which we would love to hear from you? Uh, some follow up on that. Um, there was a lot of stuff packed in there. I really encourage you to check out uh, Jen's book. And uh, I'm scanning for the name, the title again because I don't want to screw up the title. Um, Body, Mind, Movement, an Evidence-Based Approach to Mindful Movement. Uh, check out her blog. It's fabulous. Lots of great stuff. We'll have the link to everything on there. And yeah. When you're looking at the mind-body connection, just like Jen said, focus on the breath. What's going on with your breath? And then also just take note of what you're doing with your body. If you're doing the evil, you know, Dr. Evil thing, it's still cool. Just be aware of it. And uh, life is good and be kind to each other. Thank you again, Jen, for being on here. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Cheers.